Good morning. Sorry I didn't get to hang out with you this morning. It's not because I don't love you, it's because I do. They say that sharing is caring, but I don't think you want this. So I will, I will not share it with you. How about a round of applause for Sarah and Norma for taking on some extra responsibilities. Really appreciate y'all stepping up. Uh, it's good to be with you. Sorry I couldn't hang out a little bit more. Um, so this morning we're going to continue on with the series we've been going through, Follow Me. We're taking a fresh look at Jesus and the movement he began. Uh, the reason I told you in the beginning is because I think that, you know, in, <clears throat> in several ways, uh, American Christianity has sort of drifted off course. It, we've, we've sort of drifted away from where our founder wanted us to go. And that's kind of understandable. We've been doing this thing for, what, 2,000 years now? So if you're heading somewhere for a long direction, it's easy to sort of drift off course if you're not paying attention. So we're just going to spend some time uh, delving in and looking at Jesus and what he taught and what he did in the early church and how they interpreted that to see if we can get back to where it is that God wants us to be. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Last week we saw the, the very beginning of Jesus' life as an adult, uh, how he was tempted by the devil, the way that he responded to those temptations by quoting scripture. Uh, so we're going to pick up now, we're going to look at Jesus' first recorded sermon in the book of Luke. His first recorded sermon, which is kind of a big deal, right? We think that first things sort of set the pace, sort of set the tone for what follows We've got a new president who's going to be starting here in a few months, and a lot of times people look at the first hundred days of a new president's term to sort of forecast out where that term is going to go. We, we look at the first uh, sermon of a, of a preacher, we look at the first hundred days of a president to sort of forecast where we think that that presidency or where we think that ministry is going to go. So as we dive into Jesus' first sermon, pay attention to the things that Jesus says are important. Um, and then keep, keep that in mind as we move through the rest of the book of Luke and see if Jesus stays true to it. What we're going to see is in this passage, Jesus sort of gives us his mission statement. He sort of tells us what he's come for and what he comes to do. Uh, and it's going to set the pace for the rest of his ministry. So in Luke chapter 4, we'll start in verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Sort of a, a good way to start, right? Everybody's praising you. As we're going to see, that doesn't last very long. Uh, then it says, he went to Nazareth, that small town where he grew up, uh, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. So, you know, in those days, they didn't have, you know, small pocket Bibles that everybody carried around with them. Their scriptures were written on these, on these big, massive scrolls. Um, and so, they, you know, each book would have its own scroll or sometimes multiple scrolls. Uh, and so what they would do in their worship, they would have somebody who would stand up and they would read the portion of the scripture for that day. And so it just so happened to be that Jesus was the one who stood up to read the scripture. So they brought out the big scroll of Isaiah and they handed it to Jesus and he would have, you know, unrolled it and found the place where it was written. And as we're going to see, he turned to what we know as Isaiah 61. Uh, so this is what Luke tells us Isaiah 61 says as recorded by Luke. So this is what Jesus reads. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is reading this. This comes straight from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. This is the scripture that Jesus reads. This was a very common messianic passage. Remember, we've talked a little bit about messianic expectation, how the Jews were expecting that God was going to send a deliverer who would bring healing to Israel, who would break the chains of foreign oppression. Well, this was one of the texts that they, that they looked to to expect a Messiah. So it happens to be the text that Jesus reads, and it's a messianic text. Uh, wouldn't necessarily be uncommon to have that read in a synagogue worship service, but what happened next caught everybody by big surprise. It goes on in verse 20. This is what it says. Oh, back up. There we go. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. So that was the custom. They would stand to read the scripture. He sat down. Everybody's eyes were fixed on him. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. For those of us who are 21st century Americans, we don't really understand the, the depth of this statement. We don't understand how just surprised and shocked his audience would have been to hear this guy that they had grown up with, right? He's back in his hometown. They knew Jesus as a kid, right? We, they knew him, you know, as a, as a snot-nosed little kid in elementary school and going up through high school. And, and so to see this, this, this person that they knew, the son of the carpenter, all of a sudden in their synagogue service, take a messianic passage from the Old Testament and say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. This would, I mean, you could have heard their jaws hit the floor as Jesus proclaims that today, this scripture, Jesus here is claiming to be the Messiah. I mean, imagine, you know, somebody that you grew up with, somebody that you saw grow up, you know, from being a kid to adulthood, you know, the son of somebody in the congregation, all of a sudden comes into your worship service and says, oh, you know that Messiah you've been expecting? That's me, guys. That's me. Imagine, like, the, the sheer shock and surprise that would have been uh, for these people in this synagogue here in Nazareth, for him to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Like, this is a really big deal. Jesus is, this is, this is sacrilege, right? Imagine, you know, if I were to come up here and say, um, you know, I know that you've all been waiting for Jesus to come back the second time. Yeah, I'm him. I mean, imagine how shocked you would be. That's how shocked these people in the synagogue would have had to be to hear Jesus say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is a really big deal. Um, so let's go back and let's examine the scripture a little bit because G Jesus comes out, basically says, this is my mission statement. This what I just read, this is what I, as the Messiah, am here to do. So we want to understand Jesus' mission, because as we're going to see, this mission statement sort of informs the rest of what Jesus is going to do for the rest of his ministry, and by extension, what we as his followers want to do, right? Because if we want to be Christians, that means we are what? Christ-like, disciples of Jesus. We want to be not only uh, students of what he taught, but we want to be students of what he did. And so we, as Christians, we want to make his mission our mission. So we want to spend a little bit of time looking at what he said his mission is going to be. So we'll back up to the, the passage here. 
He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. As I've told you before, uh, the anointed one, that's what it means to be the Messiah, that you are anointed by God for a special purpose. This is what Jesus says he was anointed to do. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to who? To the poor, that's right. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for who? The prisoners. And recovery of sight for who? The blind. And to set who free? The oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is telling us right off the bat that his mission here is to the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. Both physically and spiritually. As we see throughout his ministry, he heals people who are physically blind, as well as he opens up the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. He proclaims good news to those who are actually poor and destitute, and those who are poor in spirit. Uh, he sets those who are physically oppressed free from bondage and disease, as well as those who are spiritually oppressed. He sets them free. But he tells us right off the bat that Jesus isn't, he's not coming to the people who have it all together. He's not coming to the ones who have everything figured out, the ones who are so righteous and self-righteous and think they know everything and have this perfect relationship with God. He's coming to the people who are oppressed and who are marginalized and who are off on the fringes of society. His ministry is to those who are hurting. We'll see that a little bit later on, too, when he tells us that he came to be a minister to the sick, not the ones who are healthy. And so if Jesus' ministry is to the ones who are poor and prisoners and blind and oppressed, well, then who should our ministry be towards? Who should be the focus of, of what we do? Right? We should be basing our mission on reaching those who have been set aside and marginalized and hurt and oppressed um, in our society, whoever that may be. And I'm sure you can think of different groups within our society who, who fit this bill. But that's, if that's who Jesus came to minister to, then we as his followers ought to adopt the same mission statement. That mission statement ought to guide what we do and how we move forward. But one of the other really interesting things about what Jesus did here, and you wouldn't necessarily catch it if you didn't go back and compare it with the text from Isaiah 61. I want to show them to you side by side here. Look at this. Here's the text that he read from. This is, if you were to go to Isaiah 61 in your Bible, this is what it would say. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So when Jesus read this scripture in the synagogue, he just so happened to stop right before and the day of vengeance of our God, which is fascinating to me, right? Because what kind of Messiah were the Jews expecting? A political messiah, a military messiah, one who's going to come and bring vengeance upon the enemies of God, the one who's going to cast off the bonds of foreign oppression and kick out all of those dirty, nasty foreigners, all those dirty, stinky, sinning Romans, and he's going to bring the vengeance of God upon the people who've been oppressing us. And yet when Jesus reads this scripture in the synagogue, he stops. He inserts a period where there was no period in the original text, right? He stops right before and the day of vengeance of our God. This is pretty significant, right? This should give us a clue. Luke is cluing us in right here that Jesus is not going to be the kind of Messiah that everybody was expecting. He's not going to be this 
powerful political military Messiah who's going to make Israel great again by the force of the sword, bringing the vengeance of God upon God's enemies. No, he's going to be one who comes and serves from underneath with power and with love. He's going to serve the poor. He's going to serve the prisoner, the blind and the oppressed. And he's going to transform the world as we're going to see, not through the power of the sword, but through the power of love and the power of service. And so it's very significant that Jesus stops and he doesn't say, and the day of vengeance of our God. This should clue us in that the way of Jesus is not the way that everyone was expecting. It's not the way of vengeance. It's not the way of wrath. It's not the way of punishment. It's the way of transforming hearts and minds through service and through love. So how do the people who are sitting here in, in the synagogue hearing this guy that they had grown up with, that they had watched grown up, claim to be the Messiah, how do they react to what he says? Like you might expect, it says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? So they're a little perplexed, right? Is it like... We grew up with this guy. We went, we went to high school with this guy. We, we played basketball with him. And all of a sudden, now, like, this, this is Joseph's son. He's claiming to be the Messiah. And, and listen to these gracious words. Uh, so then Jesus goes on. And it, it sounds like at the beginning they're kind of pleased with him. Uh, but, but Jesus doesn't really stop there. Uh, he takes this a step further. Um, and and what he, where he goes next makes me you know, kind of a little bit uncomfortable. Because as I've told you before, I, you know, my tendency is to be a people pleaser. Right? Like, I want you all to like me, and so I want to preach things to make you like me and have you say, oh, that was a great sermon, that was so nice, Pastor Thomas. You know, that's, you know that makes me feel good. And so, um, apparently, Jesus didn't have that particular um, character flaw like I do. Listen to what he says next. Uh, so, while everybody's speaking well of him, Jesus just speaks up. He says this, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. See, Jesus had done these other mighty works in other towns. And so he's expecting that the people there are going to say, oh, so you claim to be somebody great. Why don't you prove it? Why don't you do one of those miracle things? Why don't you work some magic for us? And then we'll really know. And what he goes on to say next really upsets his audience. He says, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is ex- Accepted in his hometown, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. In other words, Jesus is saying, you guys remember Elijah, right? We, you know, Elijah's one of our heroes in our scriptures. We call it the Old Testament. For them, it was just the Bible. You guys remember Elijah, one of the heroes of our Bible? Remember that story when, when there was no rain for three and a half years? And remember who, remember who Elijah was sent to? Yeah, it wasn't to one of the Israelites. No, it was to a widow of the enemy. It was to a widow of the neighboring town. Elijah wasn't sent to any of the Israelites. And then he goes on, he says, And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Ooh, the Syrian, that outsider, that enemy to the Israelites. Except this is who Elisha, this is the, the one that was cleansed by Elisha. And so Jesus is, is, is pointing here, and Luke, by way of Jesus, is pointing here that Jesus' ministry isn't just going to be to Israel. 
So Jesus is here in his hometown talking to these Israelites, to these Jews, who are uh, most of which are probably very nationalistic, right? To be a Jew is to believe in the Jewish homeland and Jerusalem and in Israel, and, and we're God's people, dang it. You know, God loves us, and God's going to crush our enemies. And, and Jesus is saying, hold on a second. I know you think that this is all about you, that, but I'm here to let you know that remember Elijah? Remember Elisha? Remember the people that they ministered to? No, they weren't Israelites. They were those dirty, stinky, sinning outsiders who received the grace of God back then. And so what Luke is showing us here by way of Jesus is that the, the, the ministry of Jesus and, and the movement that he began is going to spread not just to ethnic Israel, but to all people. And remember, that had always been God's plan. We looked at that several months ago. When God's plan to Abraham was always that he would use his people to be a blessing to all people. That God's desire had always been to, to rescue all people and bring them back into relationship. And yet, the Jews lost sight of that. They became so inwardly focused. They became so concerned about themselves and thinking that they were so special. And so Jesus says here, he says, listen, I know you think it's all about you, but it's not. And it never has been, and it's not going to be going forward. So uh, this, this did not please his audience all that well. Look what it says in the next verse. It says, and all the people in the synagogue were what? They were mildly annoyed. They were kind of put off. No, they were furious. They were furious. How mad? They were so furious that when they heard this, they got up, they drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill which was, on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Right? It, it, imagine me making you so mad in a sermon that you actually take me out and try to kill me. Right? <laughs> I mean, I know that I've said some things that, you know, may make you uncomfortable or, or a little upset from time to time. But imagine that I say something that makes you so upset that you take me outside and try to kill me. That's how upset these people were at Jesus' Jesus's proclamation that outsiders were going to be a part of what he was doing too. This is how inwardly focused the Jews had become that the very notion that the enemies of God would be brought into God's purposes, it made them so angry that they wanted to throw him out. Now before we get too critical of, of this crowd, um, just remember that Many a modern-day pastor has lost their job and worse because they brought drums into the church or because they brought lights into the church or because they wanted to expand the church's ministry to reach those who are not yet a part of the church because they wanted the programs not to just be for insiders but to be for outsiders. There's been lots of pastors who have been kicked and run out of churches for, for things like doing something like that, um, you know, Maybe, maybe some of you, if I start talking about the things that need to change around here to, to reach outsiders, are gonna, you may not throw me off the hill, but you may be a little upset, right? Um, so it's like we can sort of relate with these Jews in the synagogue, the idea that we need to change what we do because the outsiders are as important to God as we are. Uh, it, it still makes people uncomfortable today. So let's not be too harsh. You know, please don't take me out and throw me off the, off the hill after this. But... Let's not be too harsh on these people who, who would become so inwardly focused. It's really easy for us to do. It's really easy for us church people to think that church is all about us and that what we do is to, is to serve us and to make us happy when really Jesus is, is pointing here and Luke is saying that what we're to do is to expand beyond our four walls, to expand beyond us, to, to invite other people out, to reach out to the poor and the oppressed and the prisoners and the blind out in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, and, and that the focus of what, we should, of what we're doing should be to bring them in. 
And Jesus is saying, if you think that it's all about you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. If you think that God is only here to take care of you because you're in, you're going to be very, very disappointed because God has always been about reaching those who are far from God and bringing them in. And, and God doesn't care if you're ethnic. God doesn't care if you were born into this. God wants to reach all people. And if we get so inwardly focused that we forget that we have been called to model Jesus and reach out to those who are far from God, then we are missing the point just as much as his audience missed the point here. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So as we look at Jesus' first sermon here, this first recorded sermon, we see that Luke is setting the stage for us. He's sort of, remember, Luke didn't write this as it happened. Luke wrote this years after the crucifixion, after the church had already been started. But he wrote this to, to let people know that this, that this reaching out to all people has always been a part of the plan. It's always been a part of God's plan and Jesus' plan to reach those who are far, those who are on the margins, those who have been oppressed and hurt. So the question is, how do we do that? If this was the mission of Jesus, to reach the poor and the oppressed and the prisoner and the blind and the free and the outsider, how do we model that in our lives? What do we need to do in our personal lives to, to have the mind of Christ that that? Our job, our mission is to those who have been marginalized by the powerful. What do we do to, to reach those who are far from us? What do we need to change in our, in our own life? What do we need to change in this church so that we can become a, a place that, that people who are far from God can feel welcome instead of feel judged? What do we need to change in our mindset so that when people come here, they don't feel like outsiders, but they feel like they're welcome and loved? And I'm not saying that they don't, but, but it, it just as a body of of believers, as this church and as the American church in general, what do we need to do to become as outwardly focused as Jesus? What do we need to do to get our hearts to the place where we care more about the people who are far from God than we do about our own preferences and our own tendencies and our own insider mentality? Because that's, that's just how it works. It, you know, it, it's just natural for us to, to be insider focused. So you know, I'm not trying to be super critical. It's, it's very natural. But Jesus calls us to step beyond what's natural, beyond what we're naturally inclined to do, to have a heart for those who have been hurt, a heart for those who are oppressed, a heart for those who are physically and spiritually poor, for a heart for those who are physically and spiritually blind. You know, that we would open our doors in our hearts to those who the rest of society closes their eyes to, shuts their doors to. We should be on the front lines of serving the people, those dirty, stinky sinners, right? We should be the ones opening our doors, opening our hearts of love and saying, what can we do to help you? What can we do to serve you? So as we move forward, keep this in mind. Keep in mind that this was Jesus' mission statement that he adopted for himself. And we're going to see as we move forward that this was the way that he operated. That he wasn't concerned about what everybody else thought was societally respectable. He wasn't concerned about what everybody else thought was the proper way to do things. He was concerned about doing whatever was necessary to reach those who had been hurt and those who had been far from God. To reach those who had been hurt by religion. We're going to see that as we move forward, that Jesus is going to reach out to the people that, that religion had cast aside, and he's going to say, you know what, you matter to God. How can we adopt that in our mission as well? Jesus came for the poor, the oppressed, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent us to proclaim freedom of prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As followers of Jesus, our goal is to make his mission our mission. So as we move forward, I want you to help me imagine, help me think, help me brainstorm what we can do as a small church here in Bloomington, Indiana, to become a people who are known by our ministry to the poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed, those who are on the outside. Okay? And maybe we're going to make a lot of religious people really mad by doing it this way. But here's what I think. If we make religious people mad and we're reaching people who are far from God, then we're a lot closer to Jesus than, than we think. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about making religious people mad, and I'm not too concerned about um, you know, how everybody else thinks of us. If we're following the mission of Jesus, if our mission is to reach those who have been marginalized by society, if our mission is to reach those who have been hurt by religion and oppressed by the powerful, if our mission is to reach those who are outside and far from God, then we are right in line with where we need to be, and I don't care what anybody else thinks, okay? So thanks for bearing with me and my sniffles this morning. Thanks to Norma and Sarah for stepping in. Uh, let me have a word of prayer, and we'll get on with the week. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for preserving in Scripture these stories of your Son. Thank you for showing us what it was that was Jesus' mission. Father, help us to have the same eyes and the same heart and the same mind that Jesus had for the poor and the oppressed and the blind and the imprisoned. Father, give us your heart for those who are far from you. Let us be just utterly discontent with maintaining the status quo. Let us be so discontent with being insider focused that we are willing to do whatever it takes to reach those who are far from you. Father, break our hearts to see people who are oppressed and who are hurt and nothing is done about it. Break our heart for those who are far from you. Break our heart for the things that breaks your heart, God. Just give us a passion. Give us a consuming passion to reach outside of our comfort zone, to extend our hand in love and mercy to people who, who don't seem to deserve it, God, who, who may even seem to be our enemies on the outside. Help us to have love not just for one another, God, but have love for our enemies as well. Father, just inflame our hearts with this passion, this passion that you consumed the heart of Jesus with, the passion that consumes your heart. Make us to be a people who are, who are consumed with following you so closely that people look in and say, man, they, they seem to be pretty crazy about what they believe, but my goodness, do they love people. Father, help us to develop that kind of heart. Help us to be that kind of people. I pray for these things in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week and God bless you.